On this episode of Destroy the Shield Generator, James asks, what is the point of Luke going to Dagobah to find Yoda in episode 5? Does Yoda do anything to help Luke whatsoever? And did Yoda contribute literally anything during the entire Skywalker saga? Plus, a brand new segment that we're tentatively calling Star Hall Wars Mark, where James gets us into the holiday spirit by leading us in the creation of a Star Wars-themed Hallmark Christmas movie. All that and more, starting now. So we are in season two. Number two. Uh, don't get me giggling. Hey, remember when we recorded our last episode and we were like confidently talking about how we knew who won the election? Yeah. And when the election was um, announced, we actually, like our episode was released before that point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I just want to come clean to everybody. We were We were caught. I know that yeah. you thought that we were live for the first season, and now you finally realize that we record in advance. Yeah. Um, I want to apologize, I think maybe even first and foremost, as the editor of the podcast, as the co-creator of the podcast. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not great to be caught in a lie like this, but um, anything that we can do to make up for it and, and move forward, please just email uh, Jay Walker. At, oh, wow. <laughs> you know, um, now that we've come clean, I feel a burden lifted. I don't know if you do. I don't, but that's okay. Yeah. I, the the burden off my shoulders feels like Obi-Wan Kenobi when he finally admitted to Luke that Vader was his father. Yeah. Which actually wasn't much of a burden lifted. It was just like, meh, I did the right thing. <laughs> but we already established that. So let's move on to another question. Sure, sure, sure. And actually, um, the setting in which Obi-Wan comes clean to Luke is on the planet of... Dagobah. Dagobah. How do you pronounce it correctly? I think it's Dagobah. I think it's the first one. Dagobah. Okay. The second time I put the wrong emphasis on the wrong syllable. Mm-hmm. So when we go to the planet of Dagobah. Yes. I think of that planet and I think of um, when I was a kid, I had the I was more excited than anything about the Luke Skywalker action figure where you had like a little backpack that you could put a little Yoda into. Yeah. Right? And like basically Empire Strikes Back is Luke running around with Yoda on his back, like getting hit with a stick and Yoda being like a crazy guy. The main question that comes to mind for me in this context now that I am a grown man, the last time I watched the Empire Strikes Back, which was like uh, a year ago, I'm watching it. I'm like, okay, did Yoda actually help Luke? Did Yoda actually help Luke? Oh, no. What's your, make your case for he didn't help Luke. Okay. So at the beginning of Empire Strikes Back, Luke seems like he's kind of awesome, right? I mean, sure, he gets beat up by like, (laughs) you know, he gets beat up by the Yeti (laughs) and gets stuck overnight and Han Solo has to rescue him. He's pretty awesome, except for the part where he literally nearly died. Yeah. Wouldn't you nearly almost die if you were on Hoth? Yeah. That doesn't necessarily mean that i'm awesome (laughs) or not like you probably would die and luke didn't okay and if he wasn't the awesome jedi who could catch a lightsaber and cut his feet out of the ice he'd be dead 
on the other hand, I also wouldn't just be out in the snow with an opportunity to die. So, I mean, what if you saw what you thought was a meteor crash into the snow? I'd be like, oh, cool. A meteor just crashed into the snow. That's yeah. cool. Well, good night, everybody. <laughs> I'm, I'm packing up for the night, heading to bed. All right. So let's run through this then. Luke can destroy a Death Star. He can also grab a lightsaber out of the snow from a long distance. And he can fly an X-Wing to Dagobah and talk to Obi-Wan Kenobi, who is dead. Like, those are all pretty impressive, right? Then he crash lands in Dagobah and meets, like, this strange creature who's, like, all annoying and crazy and, like, beating up R2-D2, who he doesn't remember somehow. I'm seeing a theme here. The Jedi are jerks for getting (laughs) R2-D2. And then he just kind of, like, runs around. Like, if we're doing weight training Mm -hmm. and I'm running around with, like, a toddler on my back, I'm not getting much stronger, right? You'd be like, pick something heavier. So he runs around with Yoda on his back. Like Yoda's hitting him and stuff and being mostly annoying. And then he doesn't succeed in lifting the X-Wing out of the swamp. Mm -hmm. And he goes into the cave and sees his own head rolling around in Darth Vader's mask. And then Yoda's like, don't go rescue your friends. And then Luke goes to rescue his friends and gets his arm chopped off. Like, okay, cool. That's it. So So you're wondering what purpose did that serve? In the grand scheme of things. Yeah, in the grand scheme of things. What's great about this question is that it doesn't depend on, like, context outside of the movie. Like, a lot of these questions you can pull from the prequels indicating something or whatever. This is straight up just a question that, yeah, episode five doesn't really, um, at least on the surface, articulate that. Let me let me do this, though, because, like, as a as a teacher... I don't want to just tell you the answer. I want to help guide you to your answer, right? All right. Constructivism. I like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So here's what I'm going to ask you is what, and to be fair, you've already answered this first question, but like my first question would be what occurred on this planet? What happened, right? My second question or my follow-up question would be what is the significance to what happened to Luke or what Luke goes through? Because you can't, like, James, even you can't pull no development for Luke out of these moments. I suppose that's true. But I guess I can't tell you what that development is. Sure. Okay, so let's let's piece this together. He goes into the cave. He sees Darth Vader. He gets into a very short fight, chops his head off, and as you mentioned, sees his own face in the helmet. Mm-hmm. Regardless of what it does for Luke, but what does that signify in the story? That Luke might as well be Darth Vader. I mean... <laughs> no, okay. <All> right. <laughs> I guess what does it signify in the story is that we all have that capability for evil in us or i guess luke had that capability for evil in him Mm -hmm. like he is his own darth vader yeah i mean i I would say so too right especially giving in uh, i I would say like giving into his fear or his anger is going to you know transform him into his very enemy because fear leads to hate hate leads to anger anger leads to the dark anger leads to suffering oh suffering i skipped one you're good you just skip suffering, whatever. <laughs> That'd be great. Uh, okay, so with with that being the case, and I, I think that that's one of two moments that does genuinely transform Luke. I think he walks out of that cave. T- tell me if this feels like a stretch. 
I feel like Luke walks out of that cave with a little bit more caution, maybe. If it was caution, then Yoda would be like, hey, if you go to rescue your friends, know that it's a trap and you're probably going to die. He'd be like, oh, I'll be cautious. That's fair. I mean, he is kind of cautious, though, when he's going around like Cloud City. He's not like just, hey, everybody, it's Luke here. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, he yeah. is kind of like crouching behind corners. He's got his he's got his blaster out and stuff, I think. So, like, there's some caution. OK. <laughs> OK, this I don't really know how that helps. So, so if if he didn't go into the cave, he would have just got into Cloud City guns a blazing. Yeah. No, not even guns a blazing. Just like just legit like knocking on the front door and just Hi, my name is Luke Skywalker. I'm wondering if uh Princess Leia and Han Solo and Chewbacca are here. I'm yeah. here to here to get them out. So And they'd be like, All right, here you go. See, Yoda made things worse. All he had to do was ask. He's right. He's right here in the carbon <laughs> freezing chamber. Uh, okay, so that's like the the dark side cave is one thing. Yoda lifting the X wing out of the swamp, to me, is the other huge moment. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, I think if you're gonna boil down Luke's time on Dagobah in Episode Five specifically, because remember he goes back in Six, but yep. in Episode Five specifically, it boils down to two moments: the cave and the X wing. Again, let me let me ask you this as a constructivist. What does Yoda lifting the X-Wing out of the swamp do for Luke? Oh, he says something profound, but I guess off the top of my head, I'm thinking that it's kind of a anything is possible thing. Sure. I mean, yeah, it's right. It's uh, Luke has absolutely zero faith in himself or the force as the X-Wing actually slips deeper in the water when Luke tries. Oh. Remember that? Yeah. Luke Luke tries to lift it up. He fails, and it actually goes deeper. And then Yoda's like, all right, here it is, and pulls it out and everything like that. That's got to be a transformative moment for Luke, right? Yeah. So my brain's kind of firing off in a couple of spots right now. Sure. Maybe we don't see that character development within episode five itself, but the whole idea of Luke trying to redeem Vader goes back to episode five. Yeah. So like six doesn't happen without five, but five is kind of left alone by it. Maybe. I could see that. Yeah, for sure. But like, I don't feel like Luke became better. I mean, to be fair, he did get some, like how, how practical do you think the training you said earlier, like he wouldn't be any physically stronger. Do you think that Luke grew in any amount of like mindfulness (laughs) during his time training with Yoda? Sure. Then maybe that's the point. <laughs> yeah. I, okay. <laughs> to be totally honest with you, I can see the original point of your question because he's not he's not going to get bodily stronger. Maybe the better question isn't does Yoda help Luke. Maybe the better question is why does Obi Wan tell Luke to go to Yoda? Exactly. So then let's I guess to tie in the whole prequel trilogy. Plus, the Clone Wars and stuff, I guess the question boils down to, <laughs> is Yoda actually useful? <laughs> <laughs> that is the question. Yeah. Because we that, cause that comes up in the Clone Wars. That comes up in the prequels. Yeah. All I know is in the prequels, you watch Yoda and he seems like he's a, a big dummy. Yeah. It's like people are getting killed and he's like, mm, people are dying, hmm. I feel. Hmm. It's like, oh. 
I want like a guy gets his head chopped off for whatever. He's like, hmm, a disturbance. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, there's a head rolling around on the ground in front of you. Of course, dude. Like, yeah. So then maybe a prequel, 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 prequel to your question is like, is Yoda just too old to be on the Jedi Council? Is he past his prime? See, now we're bringing the Jedi Council into this thing. Like, the whole Jedi Council is useless. So That's true. He does kind of fit right in in that sense. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, maybe Yoda isn't helpful at all. Yeah. <laughs> How would the Star Wars story be different if Yoda wasn't a character? Uh, there'd be a lot less Luke in The Empire Strikes Back. Or you'd have to write a different arc for him. Yeah. I feel, okay, this is some real, like, this would be some real retconning going on. But Retconning has no place in Star Wars. (laughs) Star Wars is exclusively retconning. Everything in Star Wars is retconning. This would be some heavy retconning. But maybe Yoda's biggest purpose is to pass on the knowledge of how to become one with the force and speak after death to carry that knowledge from Qui-Gon Jinn to Obi-Wan Kenobi. Okay. And then also to Luke, because Luke does that in the sequel. Bam. That's also true. That doesn't, uh, in episode nine, Luke The is, greatest of all the Star Wars movies. Is able to do that. But we don't know where he learned how to do that. I guess he had all the ancient Jedi texts sitting with him on that island for a long time. So, Oh, that's a good point. That's when Yoda is most useful. Yoda helped Luke then. That's true. So Yoda helped Luke better on his island in episode eight than he helped him on Dagobah in episode five. Yes. Wow. Do you think George Lucas had that planned from the beginning too? <laughs> of course he did. <laughs> considering he wrote episode eight george lucas did write episode eight yeah okay that's this is this is news to me so if it's just a yes or no question to kind of center ourselves again Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. does yoda actually help luke actually let's let's think of this in another way okay so there's kind of the yoda theme through it that runs through it is like is yoda helpful the second question would be how is Luke better after he meets Yoda? Mm. He has seen the force on display in like way bigger of a scale than he ever had before. So that's cool. <laughs> that's, um, that's cool. That's cool. <laughs> um, let's see. I don't, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. All right, so how does he come back different in episode six? One, he's got a robot hand. Two, he dresses in all black. Three, he's got a green lightsaber. Four, he's nicer to Vader. Yeah, that's true. Doesn't chop off anybody's heads. That's kind of cool. Nope. I'd say that when somebody doesn't chop off somebody's head, it's nicer than when they do. That's a bold statement coming from you. That's what, I, that's what I'm about, bold statements. Yeah, largely though, I don't see... This is kind of funny because, like, I wonder what critics back in the time that episode five came out, I wonder how they interpreted that scene and its significance. Like, sincerely, (laughs) were they just, were were movie reviews at the time just like, he met this weird green frog man and it was weird. (laughs) 
<laughs> okay. Empire Strikes Back review. Let's see. <laughs> All right. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. Roger Ebert. I've heard of him. Yes. He describes. Well, okay. Here we go. Roger Ebert wrote in his review of The Empire Strikes Back. Yoda has just sent Luke Skywalker into a dark part of the forest to confront his destiny. Luke says a brave farewell. There's a cut to R2-D2 whirling and beeping. And then a cut back to Yoda, whose face reflects a series of emotions. Concern, sadness, and a hint of pride. You know intellectually that Yoda is a creature made by Frank Oz in a Muppet shop. But Oz and Lucas are not content to make Yoda realistic. They wanted to make him a good actor, too, and they did. In his range of wisdom and emotion, Yoda may actually give the best performance in the movie. Wow. The worst, I'm afraid, is Chewbacca's. (laughs) 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 All right. I was not expecting that turn here. No. That seemed like a perfect, like, development into the cave. So we're focusing a lot on the cave. Yeah. He called it Luke's Destiny. Luke's Destiny. So at the time that episode five came out, reviewers were, would think, and I don't, you know, I can see this. Reviewers would think that Luke's destiny is to kill Darth Vader, mm-hmm. to bring down the Empire. I could see that. Yes. Yeah. Maybe it's sort of the same question as, as last week, where it is because Yoda also knows that Vader is Luke's father. Maybe Yoda is also trying to be cagey in some way. Is that some kind of explanation for what Yoda's doing? He's trying to be cagey. Okay, but does that actually help Luke? I don't think it does, does it? Mm-hmm. Okay, last question of this segment. Because I think that we have collectively and definitively determined that Yoda's useless. Mm-hmm. Okay, last question I have for you is this. What could Yoda have said or done to effectively to not be useless? I mean, what if it was just like continual reps of like, hey, let's practice lifting the X-Wing. You didn't do it. Yep. Here, let me show you how it's done. Try it again. Right? You think that was cool? Guess what else you can do? You can teleport yourself across the galaxy. Whoa. Careful though, you might die after. <laughs> but I guess if it's the idea of mindfulness, like kind of delving within yourself and dealing with your own mortality and destiny, I guess is useful. So I think intrinsically, I feel like Yoda is helpful, but I don't understand how. Sure. Which is perhaps how he ends up being the most helpful guide mm. possible to Luke. Yeah. That's a nice sort of bow to wrap on this. <laughs> We come back around to, oh, he was helpful, actually. Actually, he still is useless. I have no idea how he Oh, okay. Okay. Just me then. (laughs) Well, I think I have a, I think I have a great segment. Okay. So I'm stoked. I actually don't think that you know this about me, Joseph, but throughout my life, I've been a very strict adherent to the no Christmas anything until after Thanksgiving rule. Okay. 
Are you, I mean, are you familiar with this rule? When you say no Christmas anything, I'm assuming you're talking about things like decorations, Christmas music, uh, maybe Christmas shopping. I mean, shopping is no. You shop all year for Christmas. Okay. Okay. But music, movies, decorations, anything Christmassy. No, it's not happening before Thanksgiving. Do you follow this rule? I, I don't care. <laughs> like, I don't, wow. I might, I might, but I might not. I just, I'm kind of, uh, I'll just kind of listen to Christmas music when I feel like it. Like in July? I have before, sure. Wow. You're much more Christmassy than I, then. Okay. Also, you're a blasphemer, a heretic. I mean, I'm used to that, though. <laughs> I could have told you that before talking about Christmas. Yeah, well, the reason I bring this up is because I think, one, you'll be surprised to know that there is endless Christmas content when we're talking about Star Wars. Yes. Endless. Endless. Two, I have the Christmas bug this year. Really? Okay. I do. And you might be surprised to hear that I'm introducing a Christmas-themed segment in early November. Okay. Because I feel like in the year 2020, we could all use a little bit extra Christmas spirit. Am I right? Yeah. We could all use a little bit more baby Jesus. <laughs> I've, I've noticed this already. This is a theme. Like everybody, every year, everybody's like, oh, Christmas decorations are up earlier than ever. Blah, 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 blah. But I've already noticed people putting up Christmas decorations on their own houses earlier this year. Well, typically people do put up decorations on their own houses. Well, yes, but they usually wait until like mid-November. Like you, I, you always kind of make fun of like. I just don't know why that was a stipulation. Like no one puts decorations on other people's houses. I mean, they do if you hire them, which well, like sure. is a whole economy. So. Okay, sure, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> all that said, I have the Christmas bug early this year, and I think that all of us should collectively celebrate Christmas earlier. Okay. So here it is on November, because remember, this is live. 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 What's the date? It is November 13th, dear listener. Yes. And let this be the official launch of the Christmas season. So here's what we're going to do for our Christmas segment. I'm so excited and nervous. Yeah. Now, this is something that you know about me already, but the listener may not. So I love Hallmark Christmas movies so much. Oh my gosh. Here we go. They're terrible. Here we go. And this is going to be a recurring thing over season two of Destroy the Shield Generator because it's episode two. We're recording this on November 9th and we're only going to be like six episodes in by the time Christmas Day rolls around. So that means we're going to have like five episodes that are going to have some sort of a Christmas theme to it. And I guarantee many of them will be Hallmark Christmas related. <laughs> the audience can't see me, but I've been laughing this whole time. Go ahead. Yes, they can hear your 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 chuckles. Okay, okay, good. They can't good. see the tears that you're wiping away from yeah. your face. Oh. So there'll be different versions of the, the Hallmark Christmas movie in Star Wars. But right now what we're going to do live on the air, we're going to create our own Hallmark Christmas movie. <gasps> Does it have to do with Star Wars? Or is it just... A Hallmark Christmas movie. <laughs> a Starmark Wars. Starmark Wars. Star Christmas movie. Star Hallmark Wars. Starwark. <laughs> <laughs> Hall Wars. Hall Stars. 
All stars is something. Hey now, you are all star. <laughs> That's my favorite Christmas song right there. That is a good Christmas song. So this segment that has a clear name now. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even I can't even keep it together. So you and I are gonna write our own Hallmark Star Wars Christmas movie. Okay. Starmark. All stars. Uh, Christmas movie. Okay. Now You've seen a Hallmark Christmas movie, correct? I have seen, I've probably seen like a handful. I've probably seen like one or two. Okay. Then you've seen them all. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Great. So there's these, there's these themes that run through them. Okay. Typically you have like a widow or a widower or a, it's always a woman that's gotten like lost in her career and kind of forgot to find love. And for some reason, she hates Christmas. Like, there's always a protagonist that's single that hates Christmas, whose life is incomplete because they're single and because they hate Christmas. And because they hate Christmas. <laughs> and their singleness and their hatred of Christmas are inseparable, right? Yeah. They hate Christmas because of their singleness or they're single because they hate Christmas. Uh, you know, it's all it's tied together. Yeah. Yes. So, this person, they always end up in some small town. This could be like them going back to their hometown that they hate, or their car could break down in a town that loves Christmas. Mm -hmm. Typically there's like one like mystical old man that's in the town. <laughs> okay. There's always like one person of color, usually like a jovial black one. man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like a wise old black woman. Mm -hmm. But it's a town that loves Christmas. And in this town, there's always a blue-collar worker of some sort. Can I just time out super quick? Yeah. I, I feel so far, as the co-host of this Star Wars podcast, I'm going to need to ask you to, to speed up. It just feels like you are trying to just get out your love of Hallmark Christmas movies <laughs> in a setting that is otherwise not for that. Um, it's for that. Just oh, wait. Okay. All right. Be patient, Joseph. <laughs> I'm at the last key plot point. If you just want to talk about Hallmark movies, we can do that like another time. <laughs> <laughs> That's on our other podcast called Destroy the Hatred of Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or also known as destroy singleness because singleness is a hatred of Christmas. <laughs> oh goodness. Anyway. <laughs> so this professional business person, man or woman ends up in a town that loves Christmas hometown or not. Yeah. And usually meets a blue collar worker and or a barista and that also loves Christmas. <laughs> And, like, they hate each other at first, but then, like, they kind of get curious about each other, flirt around a little bit. Uh-huh. And then when it looks like they're going to come together, things fall apart. Main character falls in love with Christmas. And then they kiss at the end of the movie ends in a very unsatisfying way where they're just together and Christmas is great. Perfect. And then usually when it ends, like, the wise <laughs> Santa figure, like, rides by on a horse and is like, mm-hmm. There, okay, there were so many, like, usually this happened statements. There were, like, 12 of those. So it's like... 
because there's like 12 things that just kind of get remixed to turn into like literally 10,000 movies every Christmas yeah. season. Yeah. So immerse yourselves back into the Star Wars universe. I listeners. never left. <laughs> so I have in front of me and actually let me let me do this. I'm going to text you this, okay. this template here Oh no! <laughs> for us to write our Star Wars Hallmark Christmas movie. Wonderful. Oh, this is uh, OK. So just to describe to the audience what I'm looking at here, it says Hallmark Christmas movie plot generator. Choose one from each column. And then there are six columns uh, with different choices in each one. All right. Yeah. So like first column. I'm going to go down here and you're going to choose either a character, like a specific character that we know in the Star Wars universe. Okay. Or you could kind of like zoom out a little bit and you could kind of do like a character type. Okay. Like we might not know the person's name, but we know like where they're from, their profession and a like a little descriptor of them. Gotcha. Okay. All right. So in the Hallmark Christmas movie plot generator, we have in the first column, our protagonist. It is a big city lawyer, a career-oriented writer, a recently single baker, (laughs) a world-weary interior designer with the wrong guy who would be an early 2000s actor that you forgot about. Yes. (laughs) Okay. So kind of going through those, those tropes in the Hallmark universe. Yeah. Who would our protagonist be in a Hallmark Star Wars Christmas movie? Love it. Okay. Couple of, what would be some like, let's start with the adjectives. Some Star Wars character adjectives. You could say force sensitive. Okay. We could have, (laughs) you know, someone with a bounty on their head. We could have youngling. Oh, no. Oh, sorry. That would be a short (laughs) movie. Sorry. No, sorry. I did not think that through. <laughs> Gross. I'm so sorry. Let's let's go. How about, how about Padawan? Okay. Okay. Still, <laughs> uh, I guess still not great, huh? Still not the best. I mean, in the prequel trilogy, the Padawan thing could work. Just just because of Anakin, most Padawans are like 10 to 14. Uh, yeah. 10 to 16, somewhere in that range. Okay. So yeah, let's have, let's just no. Yep, let's avoid that one. And then if they're Jedi anyway, what are we talking about? They can't be in relationships. Never mind. Uh, unless Christmas. Do you, is Christmas the, the thing that breaks it open, breaks the Jedi yes. order? This, I think this is our plot. A Christmas Jedi. A Christmas Jedi. Or a, is it a Jedi for Christmas? I was just going to say that exact <laughs> phrase. <laughs> I was so, just going to say that. If it's a Jedi for Christmas, yeah, that makes me think that our protagonist is a female who gets a Jedi for Christmas. Well, I guess a Jedi can be a woman. I'm so wow. sorry. That is- James. Wow. Oh, I'm ashamed. James, are you- come on, man. Oh. It's 2020. <gasps> I'm a terrible person. I am like legit shocked. You are not one to make that kind of a statement, <laughs> like even by mistake. Wow. There are a ton of female Jedi. Name one. Ahsoka Tano. Shakti. She's not a Jedi. <laughs> Shakti? You know who Shakti is. Do I? 
she's the same species as ah- Ahsoka. She's in the prequels. Oh, uh, yeah, I've seen her before. How about Yato? <laughs> she doesn't count. Why doesn't Yato count? <laughs> you barely see her in passing. That doesn't matter. She still exists. Oh, uh, yeah. All right, fine. A Jedi for Christmas. <laughs> I'm so... <laughs> 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 oh gosh! Uh, to all of our lady listeners out there, mm-hmm. of which of there you. might be double digits. <laughs> you think so? I don't know. Even if there's just one, I'm sorry. That was my an- sincerest apology. Another sexist statement, there, James. <laughs> I'm just, I'm doing great. Today. We kn- we know we get dozens of downloads per episode, so I, I was going off of that number. Yeah. All right. So, so let's continue. <laughs> yeah. So uh, force sensitive is sort of implied with a Jedi. Okay. So do we do we want to add some more characterization? Do we go with a Jedi that has a bounty on her head? Sure. A force sensitive fugitive doesn't really feel Christmassy mm. or Hallmarky to me. You know? Does a world weary interior designer sound Christmassy to you. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, that's fair, that's fair, that's fair. What what is in your head for a Star Wars like when you picture a Star Wars Hallmark movie? What's the first kind of character that's in your head? A world weary interior designer <laughs> <laughs> with the wrong guy who happens to be Freddie Prince Jr. <laughs> Let's um, let's try to let's try to narrow that into some Star Wars here. <laughs> Again, James, you're just going off on a Hallmark tangent. If you want to talk okay. about this somewhere else, force sensitive as an adjective is a good start. Okay, I like right. that. Now, what's the occupation? Thank you. How about a cantina bartender? Okay, I think that's good. You're kind of reversing it, so you have kind of. The working class person as the protagonist. Mm-hmm. So someone rich has got to come into town. See, you get it. Okay. I'm catching yeah. up. <laughs> yeah. All right. Is this cantina bartender in a relationship with somebody? No. Okay. Why not? Uh, because for her to jump into a relationship, we would have to write the breakup of the old relationship. Okay, I thought you were going to say, like, for her to jump into a relationship, it would cost her, like, taking care of her ailing grandmother. (laughs) Oh, no. Wow. Jeez. You've watched too many of these movies, sir. (laughs) That is that is too specific of a detail to not have happened in a real Hallmark movie that you have seen that. That, you are revealing a lot about yourself tonight, James. It's probably happened in like five. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, geez. Yeah. I mean, it could be like ailing grandmother, ailing parent. Like You said relationship. Special. Well, yeah, because you can't get in a relationship because you're too committed to like taking care of like your ailing grandmother, your ailing dad. Oh, I thought you were asking, is our main character already in a romantic relationship with someone else? Right. And you said no. Yeah. And I said, why? Yeah. And then you started talking about grandmas. I said, because if I 
am a cantina owner. Like I'm a salt of the earth cantina bartender. Yeah. I don't have time for a relationship because when I'm off of my shift, I go home to take care of my grandma. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. And by ailing grandma, like you can, like you can have parent, Mm -hmm. like (laughs) widowed parent. Sure. There's lots of options that are there. Look at you trying to suddenly be inclusive. (laughs) I mean, it's there. I'm not the inclusive one. Hallmark is. Okay. <laughs> There's always this one is, minority in the pot. This is becoming more evident as we talk through this. <laughs> so, okay, so we need this character to have some kind of, what is her responsibility outside of the cantina uh, yes. that's taking up her time? See, in, in my head, my my first thought is that, like, keeping the cantina open is its own struggle. Boom. Right, like customers yeah. aren't coming by. Like times are tough. There's, there's some drought. Maybe like the moisture farmers are having trouble. Like you know, kind of a dry county. Keep oh, a dry county for a bartender is not a good. That's not what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, continue. Keep this going. Okay, here's okay. Here's here's. Oh, you, you ready for this? Yeah. This is a great little Star Wars detail. A new hyperlane route opened up that bypasses the system that they're on uh that's rough i hate when that happens so like they don't get all the traffic they used to the business is down etc people are people are moving off world businesses or moving their plants and (laughs) stuff (laughs) to uh you know foreign planets that's rough all right so she's in this bar yes right she's doing her job Cantina. What time of the year? Sorry, Cantina. What time of the year do you think this is? Is the answer not Christmas? Whoa. Okay, is it that... Life Day? That's the Star Wars version of Christmas. So, like. Really? J- yes. Lives Day. Time out. Time out. We have been talking for 12 minutes, no, 22 minutes about Christmas. And Star Wars interrelating. And you didn't know that Star Wars has a Christmas adjacent holiday? To be fair, three quarters of that time was talking about Hallmark. True. Okay. The Star Wars Christmas special, way back in the day, is about a holiday called Life Day. Life Day? Life Day. Okay. It's analogous to Christmas. You get together with your with your family, you give gifts, and you celebrate. And it's especially analogous to Christmas as opposed to other holidays where this, a similar thing happens because the holiday special was released on an Earth holiday called Christmas. Is this the Ewok Christmas thing? No. The, well, uh, no. Are you thinking of Ewok Coachella? No, there's a there's a Ewok Christmas special, wasn't there? That's yeah, that's that's this, but you're thinking of it's Chewbacca, it's the Wookiees, not Ewoks. Oh, wrong furry creatures. Sorry yeah. to all of our Ewok and Chewbacca listeners out there. Chewbacca? You mean w- Wookiee. Wookie. Wookie. <laughs> I'm on fire. You're <laughs> yep. Anyway, uh also the Lego holiday special that's coming out in, later in November twenty twenty is about life day. And they actually uh, canonized Life Day in season one of The Mandalorian. The the one blue character that he has to pick up at the very beginning of the whole show um, actually mentions like getting home in time for Life Day. So anyway. Uh. Anyway, now that we have that as our basis, 
I think the holiday in our Star Wars Hallmark movie should be Life Day. <laughs> okay. Just to keep so it consistent. So this movie consistent. is now called A Jedi for Life Day. A Jedi for Life Day, yeah. Okay. So, in the cantina, Life Day is approaching. Yes. Somebody walks into a bar. Yes. This person returned back to this small hometown at Life Day time to inherit something to enter some sort of a folksy contest <laughs> to stop some corporate closure. Oh. So actually, we need to reverse this. This would have to be to start some sort of corporate wing mm-hmm. that would start like some sort of a company that would contribute to closing down this cantina. Mm. Or did they return to this town to appease their sassy friend or widowed <laughs> parent? Mm. So who is the person that comes into the cantina? One thought would be to go with that sort of business on that business trajectory and say, as we mentioned earlier, life is hard on this planet right now. Businesses are leaving. Maybe somebody comes to the town to open a cooler cantina. (laughs) Yep. Okay. The other one that kind of jumped to mind would be someone to appease a sassy friend or parent because that kind of can fit into life day. We're like, all right, like I don't like hanging out with my family, but it's life day. So I think those are both logical. What do you, what do you think? Yeah, I think you take your pick on that one. Okay. Let's go with the family one. Let's go with uh, this, this person coming is just grumpy. Doesn't really like, you know, hanging out with, his his family back on this home planet but you know it's life day and it's been it's been a couple of cycles so he's going to you know just hang out but he's yeah. grumpy the whole time so he sounds like the person who hates life day the bartender is like yeah. full of life day spirit let's do that let's do that okay and just to clarify when we say life day spirit we're talking about christmas spirit yes okay but in star wars so single female cantina owner yes Trying to save her business. She loves Life Day. She's taking care of her ailing family member who also loves Christmas. Yeah. Kind of this grumpy guy walks in and he's only there because of his annoying family. Mm -hmm. But hey, it's Life Day, right? And I hate Life Day because... Because he... Something tragic happened on a Life Day back in the day. Okay. Fun fact, it was Life Day when Darth Vader got to Hoth. And destroyed everything there. And okay. his best friend died on Hoth. Okay. In the Battle of Hoth. Okay. In the Battle of Hoth. Okay. And so now he thinks of Life Day and he just misses his friend. That would be a lot of people that are in that same kind of mental space on Life Day. Yep, it would. Okay. It would be a lot. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Cantina owner is, plot twist, force sensitive. What? And the two of them, like, they kind of hate each other at first. They don't really get along a whole lot. Yeah. What is it that they participate in together that kind of gets them to fall in love a little bit Hmm. with each other and also with Life Day? There's a, let's say that there's a brawl inside of the cantina and he helps her put it down. He's about to get killed. She uses the force. Yes. To push a blaster out of the way. Yes. Epic. Blaster flies into a Christmas tree, a life day tree that catches on fire. Bar's about to burn down. Visitor puts out the fire. Yes. 
oh, this is good. <laughs> <laughs> she invites the visitor over to grandma's house. Yeah, her old He's... ailing black grandmother. <laughs> 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 and he's he's surprisingly charming and sensitive. Yeah. They walk the streets of this small life day town. Yes. And sparks fly. And sparks fly, yeah. So then sorry, go ahead. You're you're the you're the ringleader here. Yeah, I mean that's like that gets us to the halfway point. But okay. like they're not in love yet. Like they need still some sort of a, a, a tension that drives them forward. They need like a gingerbread house decorating contest. They need a they need Oh, they still are trying to rescue the, the, the business, the tavern. True. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. He decides to help with his special skill of. He is an uh, expert accountant. Accountant. <laughs> he looks at the books and sees what a mess it is. He's, He's like, like wow, oh, I got this. You may be force sensitive, but you sure don't know how to balance a budget. <laughs> sure ain't budget sensitive. Yep. And he crunches some numbers. There's a thrilling, there's a thrilling, thrilling montage of montage. B-roll of spreadsheets and pens. <laughs> you just, you just hear the. <laughs> uh, yes. But then she discovers that he actually was in the empire. Mm. But his friend was killed on Hoth by the Empire? No. <gasps> his friend was killed on Hoth as the Empire? Yes. Oh, what a plot twist. And she's <gasps> wow. like, no, this is going nowhere. But while she's sitting in her saved cantina one day, her grandma miraculously starts walking and says, you know, love and Christmas are the two most important things in the world. You mean Life Day? Yep. Same thing. And she goes, you know what, Grandma, you're right. And then she runs to her lover yes. and gives him a kiss, and the movie ends very abruptly. So I like it. And, and you know, credits roll. Classic. Perfect. I like it, but we have to revisit the title. The title was A Jedi for Christmas. Yep, there's no Jedi in there Yeah, at yeah. All. So yeah. it's like... A former, a former Empire Scout Trooper <laughs> for Christmas. Yeah. An accountant for Christmas. <laughs> All right. There's a fire that he puts out. This is called a Christmas flame. I'm sorry, a life day flame. A life day flame. Wow. Boom. Boom. Such... Double meanings in there. Life Day Flame, a Star Wars story. <laughs> Ship it. Let's do it. So one thing that I do know is, is as we do this Hallmark stuff, I need to start writing these plots and proposing them to you. Yes. Because you have some work to do on the, on the Hallmark front. You have some work to do on knowing that Christmas literally exists in Star Wars <laughs> front. <laughs> Well, now that I know that, there's no stopping me. I love it. I can't wait to see that on Disney Plus uh, next holiday season. This holiday season. This holiday season. Yep. That's Production is starting tomorrow. Wow. And guess what? It'll be done on like Thursday. You and I are canonical characters. In it. <gasps> oh, 
I didn't even think of that. Are we in this movie? Are we in? Are we? Are one of us in this movie? One of us in another movie? Are we both in this movie? Not only are we both in it, our scene has already been filmed. Really? Yeah, you were in it. The what's the scene? I don't even know, dude. Oh, I thought you had. This like, is falling apart. <laughs> I thought I thought you had something that was. I was going to be so surprised. I'm like, what did we film? Um, <laughs> I like it. We should be, maybe we're the background characters that start the brawl in the cantina. Yeah. That sounds like us. Yeah. You're all, don't poison those kids. I'm like, I'm going to poison them <laughs> if I want to. Yes. Yes, exactly. Merry <laughs> life day. Mary, don't poison those kids on life day. Some other day. <laughs> <laughs> Death Day. Death Day. Ooh, that should be a Star Wars holiday. It is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Destroy the Shield Generator is created by Joseph Jasper and James Walker. Our theme music is produced by Roy Thompson, who's better known as Royish Good Looks. You can support him through the links in our show notes. Join us next time on Destroy the Shield Generator. But until then, always remember... It's going to be great.